0: Talking tropes extravaganza. Today
1: Ooh. we're invading your Sunday and your
0: podcatcher, celebrating
1: <laughs> American pride. Because when you invade Earth, you're really just invading America, and that's yep. um, that's our thesis statement for analyzing <laughs> these two classic 1990s uh invasion, invasion
0: films yes we've got <laughs> independence day the classic and the not so classic mars attacks mars attacks,
1: attacks. tim oh burton boy. and roland emmerich in the same podcast what is this
0: it's more likely than you might think <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, So, yeah, these movies often get mentioned in the same uh, breath because they came out so close to each other and had such similar narratives and influences. They both were heavily influenced by these 1950s B-movie invasion stories, you know, very post-war, Cold War era um, narratives of advanced alien beings coming and just destroying American landmarks for fun. (laughs) Yeah, for fun, for and, fun
0: profit. and profit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so these movies are simultaneously so similar and so different.
1: Right. I think I think sometimes there are certain like d- differences that people will point out that I don't think actually hold up. Like some mm. people will say like, "Oh, you know, I really <laughs> prefer Mars attacks because Mars attacks is like a love letter to those 1950s you know disaster movies and invasion movies unlike independence day which is totally uncritical of those you know films and just sort of like puts it just sort of repeats things without paying proper homage and i think that's not true you know like independence day you got that great shot where they're watching tv and there's an old sci-fi movie on i believe it's uh, the day the earth stood still uh-huh. Um and you know like that's a classic. It's paying homage to the right things. Yeah, and it's got the flying saucers and Absolutely. you know all the same things. I I think it I think it definitely holds up Independence Day. That is as uh as a pastiche of a sure. dead genre. Well, back yeah. then it was sort of dead.
0: It, I think it's still kind of dead.
1: No, I think invasion stories now are like the norm. It's like. <laughs>
0: well invasion stories yes but sort of that 50s b genre version of it okay i yeah, would say not as
1: much you, you've got a point yeah i think a lot of the movies now they're sort of playing off of the tropes of the revival that started yes. with independence day and mars attacks and they're right. not really going back as far in terms of their homage i think that was true i actually watched independence day resurgence the sequel for this one which was also directed by roland emmerich but it just felt so drained of wonder <laughs> <laughs> just any sense right. of nostalgia is just like God. boiled out of it and left with just the bottom of the pot of uh, awful stew Uh, i hate it it's it's
0: too it's too gritty and uh right it's
1: just it's like oops all cliches like (laughs) all of the dialogue between any two characters consists of lines that you've heard in other movies
0: i think it's interesting that you say you know people talk about preferring mars attacks because feeling like it pays homage to these things and is maybe critical of them whereas like I think it's both critical and uncritical in that way that only Tim Burton can like really achieve, you know? Right. Where, it's not really
1: saying anything of substance. Yeah. It's pointing to a facade and saying, Look a facade.
0: And here's here's some good people, I guess. And you're like, but what makes them good is like, no no no, they're just good because they see it's a facade. It's right. like, okay, but what are they
1: do <laughs> right well you know i i was looking up some of the the sort of critical responses to these films uh over the years and i think that like a common trend for like tim burton in this era of his career is that he's just sort of pointing to phonies mm-hmm. but he's also pointing to like elites in yeah. this sort of nebulous way um yeah i read uh an article uh, or a chapter of a, a book called The Philosophy of Tim Burton written by um, by by a scholar by the name of Paul Cantor uh, okay. and he is approaching it from sort of like it's really good that this is like a libertarian criticism of government and okay. sort of taking it as, as sort of a reversal of these 50s B movies which all ultimately reify the state as the authority to deal with invading powers right the state has the authority to deal with the family and to deal Mm -hmm. with like any problems in america and so from like an extremely conservative libertarian perspective it's like i want small government so let's blow up congress
0: (laughs) (laughs) right we should let the the kid who works at the donut shop and likes uh yodeling and his grandma save everybody.
1: Right. Yeah. So we're we're gonna spoil a lot of things uh, in, in in these <laughs> films. So if you haven't j- checked them out, I I, I can always. recommend them both to watch. But I don't in I didn't like Mars Attacks. I just no. I just feel like it's interesting to talk Mars about.
0: Mars Attacks is the kind of movie that you watch inebriated in some form. Um, it's, yeah, I think
1: it'd be good for that.
0: You'll have a fun time with it that way. That right. that would be my Well,
1: suggestion. it's one of two films that I know of that are based on just trading cards. The other one being the Garbage Pail Kids movie, <laughs> which is not a good comparison. It's not a good family to be in.
0: I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh!
1: No, no, no. Yu-Gi-Oh! was a TV show based on a manga which had a trading card game tie-in. That's slightly different.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, This is literally
1: okay. adapted from something that had no other media representations (laughs) except for it was a series of trading cards released by tops uh of martians (laughs) attacking
0: yep oh my gosh
1: apparently burton really wanted to do these martians as uh as stop motion but it was too expensive so they did cgi yeah and they just end up kind of looking like looney tunes oh yeah like they don't represent any real like compelling threat or no. interesting like design or character. It's they're they're just, just sort of like Looney Tunes.
0: They're just it's like Burton's weird design aesthetic. Right. But like But I mean worse. he didn't
1: even come up with like the skull with the brain that like you know, that was from the trading cards. Right, but it He just came up with it, it, that they bounce around and <laughs> make silly noises and go act ack 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 ack. ack. Uh, uh. Okay,
0: here's what I'll say about the alien language in Mars Attack. It's, like, so in contrast to, you know, the movies we have now, which are just all about linguistics and, like... Right, just, like Arrival,
1: rival right, saying. Right,
0: right. Like, <laughs> you take Mars Attacks versus Arrival, and it's just, like, well, different galaxies. Yeah, like, the joke,
1: the joke is obviously, like, they create, like, a universal translating device... That perfectly translates everything they say, but they everything that they say is a total lie. Right, and the things that are being translated are just them going "ack, ack, ack." And it comes out as like, we come in peace. Yeah. Don't be afraid. We want to be friends. But they're just running around zapping people with lasers and yeah. knocking over the Easter Island heads with a bowling ball. They're literally you know, just
0: like, like chaos demons, you know, like like right, can Looney Tunes. Yeah,
1: They're Looney Tunes, but th- like that's supposed to be like the fun of it, right? Like when you hear Tim Burton talk about this, it's like you kind of empathize with them because they're just smashing through this phoniness by just killing everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, have a lot of empathy by, for that, personally. By murdering people and smashing things. The original they like jokers. They're
0: the original jokers, David.
1: Right, they're jokerified, and they they you know will take like a fake TV host with her fake little Chihuahua, tiny dog that fits in a purse, and swap their heads. Ha ha.
0: And the you know the fake intellectual Kick that,
1: society. Who
0: who's gonna uh cucker husband who's you know a weak and ineffectual newscaster but he dies
1: by michael j fox
0: the casting in this movie is insane like right
1: well it's burton casting you know like he does this so
0: wild um right
1: there's there's inexplicably two jack nicholsons and i read about like why are there two jack nicholsons like were there going to be more jack nicholsons and then they forgot to put them in and it's just like You know, Burton knew that he needed Jack Nicholson to play the president because he's the only actor he's worked with who has, like, any gravitas at all. Uh Um, And then Jack Nicholson was like, I could could play, like, all the parts. And then Tim Burton was like, let's start with two. (laughs) and they just gave him this you know sleazy um real estate developer in vegas which character. was
0: awful the worst character <laughs> in the whole movie did not need to be there at all just right I thought, I
1: thought he did pretty well as the president i he thought he was kind of believable the
0: he he was i enjoyed him as the president because of how just like clearly over the top he was right with it. You know, but also with like Close. soulless like
1: yes. he's like an empty shell of a president yeah just a total like like obviously everyone's an empty shell in this movie <laughs> because they're all like representing the fact that we're empty shells right so it's like oh so it's okay that they're all just stereotypes and not real because that's what because, i'm making fun of because
0: it's a farce man
1: right i'm making fun of america you know, but what does it have to say about America specifically? What what did you think its its notes about what America is and should be? Uh,
0: are? all of the you know, all of the lanky weird dudes who work in donut shops should get to marry the president's hot alternative daughter. That's that's <laughs> what I got from it, and their grandmas I guess that's, are cool. That's
1: one interpretation, but it doesn't really speak to America. No. As a whole but, but i think they're clearly like trying to say <laughs> something about america as a whole and so ah. i think the only thing you can take away from it is like okay you the know people politicians the are sleazy yeah. they shouldn't be in charge they're bad mm-hmm. not because of any particular decision that they would make because you know there's obviously like in every invasion narrative in the beginning the president argues with the secretary of defense or the gen, you know, the four-star general mm-hmm. who's like, I want to blow these suckers up, launch the nukes, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be representative of the struggles of the Cold War, where we were always like, you know, a minute away from destruction, but for the cool, but cooler heads prevailed, right? Uh, and so the president is like, No, we should try and reason with them. We should try diplomacy, you know, because that's supposedly what like Reagan would have said, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh or not reagan you know whoever in the 50s but i'm just saying like that was the narrative even going back like earlier in the cold war Is whenever you know for like uh earth versus the the flying saucers Mm -hmm. you know there's there's always a conversation where the the president wants to nuke the threat uh or or maybe one of his generals does Mm -hmm. but they cool off so you're like okay They're cooling off, they're going to try and communicate with them, but then they're going to be evil. So the lesson is, we should you know, shoot first-ask questions later. We should be overly cautious with foreign threats. Mm -hmm. But then, they launch the nukes, and they do nothing. Which is something that also happens in Independence Day. So it's just like... So what are you saying about the decision-making process? That he's too concerned with publicity? That he's not concerned enough with public safety? That, no... It's none of that. It's that he's bad because he's dumb and fake and not real. Yeah. And doesn't represent the people. No. Like Donut Boy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And unlike his dead brother, Jack Black.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. So, like, yeah, you know, there's there's also fakeness, I guess, in certain, like, poor people that he also looks down on. So it's not strictly, like, elites that he's satirizing because he's also, like... Oh, the people who say they're going to like go out and be war heroes like Jack Black, they're going to surrender the first time they see a threat. And so they're fake too. Or
0: you know they're idiots for going and dying in war. Like they should right. use their brains and not a gun. You know because like his parents stay to defend right. the trailer and he's like I'm going. But to But the get people a who grandma. use their
1: brains are also fake and dumb. Well, no, no, no.
0: It's the the Pierce Brosnan intellectuals. The the ivory. But tower he's using elite.
1: his brain. No, he's no, he's suggesting not. something.
0: He's. Using brain but again only like the smallest like veneer he's like oh well they must be an advanced civilization so an advanced civilization by definition can't be violent and barbaric and you know like well
1: this is what i think they're actually saying about america and about the world yeah is that you know what it is is it's sort of a reaction to in the in the 1950s the the cold war era fear of the other the other being the soviet union was this like hyper advanced, collectivist, but but like totally devoid of individuality, like invading force? Mm-hmm. And that's why we, we typically read these like saucer men as being like, you know, Sputnik type, you know, Russian uh, spacemen. Uh-huh. Um, but in a, in a post Cold War setting, which is what these are, this is the beginning of post Cold War thing. We've now reached a point where Burton is saying, okay, the foreign invading threat, the scary collectivist thing doesn't exist because all of human progress is headed towards chaos uh, and stupidity and cruelty. Mm -hmm. Um, And that being more advanced and progressing means you're in fact heading closer to an imperialist you know monster who just likes killing things mm. and so the only way to stop that is to stop progressing entirely mm. and just go back to what he imagines a primitive past to be which is living in teepees which is what the donut boy says at the end yeah. Is that instead of living in houses we should live in teepees because sometimes teepees are better but do you, do you feel like that is a, a, an interpretation of what they're going for like what yeah. do you think they're going for with that whole like the they're an advanced species, so they must be peaceful. They're an advanced species, so they must, you know, oh. know what we're going to do before we do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, I, I I agree that, you know, it's pointing to the um you know, if not the the falseness and fakeness of modern life, then sort of the at least the hypocrisy of it. You know, that Mm -hmm. we think we are so much better uh, and so much more. Than our primitive ancestors. Right. Or, you know, especially at the time, like talking about the global south or third world countries, you know, like these places that we still view as um, violent and chaotic and war torn while we live in, you know, peace and prosperity and you know bringing that chaos to the country via these invasion stories um you know sort of strips away some of that hypocrisy of oh you think you're so much better you think you could survive this or not um why don't you take a minute and try you know it's it's not even that i think he's saying like we need to return to an entirely primitive past i think he's just saying like golly gee isn't modern life so complicated wouldn't it be better
1: yeah full of idiots full
0: of so many rules and cruelty can't we just be like weird experimental goofballs who like get to do our own things you know like can't just be simple i think it is
1: directly about native americans because in addition to the tp comment the song that defeats uh, you know the the aliens. Um, there's an old country song that they play, that's like yodeling. Yeah. That makes their heads explode. Uh, that song is titled "Indian Love Call," mm. and it's a song by uh, a, a country think, artist named Slim Whitman.
0: Like, so this is this is my thing with um with Burton at this point. So much uh-huh. of his work is so rooted in his own nostalgia for his childhood, which was in a time where people played cowboys and Indians, you know, and when things felt simple and there felt like there was a good guy and a bad guy, the Cold War, you know, like it felt like, you know, you knew who was, he felt like an outsider because his interests were different than the other kids and he wasn't a jock. So, you know, like, I, I think so much of his movies are just that lens applied to whatever else he's talking about, you know? Right. And, and I think that's the simplicity that he's looking for. And I think in this case, it's being filtered through this sort of, like, Indian, Native American, weird, primitivist fetishization sort of lens that again, I think is coming not from, like, actual any, like, interest or respect in, like, native cultures or, you know, worry about, uh, like, global warming other than, like, like, ah, isn't it fucked up? People did this. And and more so just his own right nostalgia.
1: Well, there was one other character who I thought was, like, trying to make some kind of commentary and may have been, like, a lens for, for Burton, mm-hmm. who's the character who's, like, welcoming these peaceful martians in the beginning and then when she finds out that they're violent and murderous is like maybe we deserve this you know like Mm. she was saying we need someone benevolent to come save us from ourselves and then once they come and try and kill them they're like well at least they're like saving the planet because we ruined it so there is this kind of like anxiety about like america is ruining a perfect world yeah you know we're spoiling it
0: which, which is also true in, um, in Independence Day with Jeff Goldblum's character. You know, he's the recycle guy and is, is very on about that. And then he has a breakdown at one point, uh, you know, where he's like, ah, I'm going to trash the place and maybe they won't <laughs> want it anymore. It's very right. silly, but.
1: Yeah, I guess it's sort of saying like, um, who you know, who gets to have ownership of the earth? If mm-hmm. we can't do what we want with it, who can? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a very strange sort of subplot, but I think it's more of a character related thing for yeah. him. Where, oh, Absolutely. You know, Emmerich is is just like creating all these tiny character arcs in Independence Day. Mm-hmm. And his arc is that he's he's lazy, he's a genius, Jeff Goldblum, but he wants to save the world. And so he does that in all these little insignificant ways. But he's given an opportunity to actually save the world. Yeah. And now he doesn't care about, about you know, things like smoking, killing anymore. He's lost his, you know, whatever the stereotype of, like, the liberal Jew is. Like, he's <laughs> lost that. He's lost his nebbishness. He's lost his, like, nitpickiness. And, like, I read this in the New Yorker, that you're not supposed to litter or smoke cigars. Um, you know, his. <laughs> his his Bloombergness mm-hmm. almost. Uh, and now he's he's escaped that because he saved the world by flying right. in a alien spaceship uh with a military man and yeah. he's worked with the president. Oh yeah. You know? He, so He punched
0: funny. the president.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> you punched the president. Uh, Judd Hirsch. Uh a what gift. a guy what a gift. He's playing it so heavy, Jew.
0: It's so fun though. I love it. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: um, um. Just like Harvey Firestein Fer- oh. playing it so heavily, Harvey Firestein. Yeah, it was it was a before lot. getting smushed by a car exploding. God,
0: just the way some of these side characters get treated, and I'm gonna say in both of these movies, but it feels especially jarring in Independence Day, where you know it takes itself a little bit more seriously and tries to make us kind right. of like feel a little bit more empathetically for these people. Whereas, you know, Burton's is a lot more farcical and whimsical.
1: Right. Yeah. People who die and get their fingers bit off. You know, Martin short is like a sex pervert. Who's the chief of staff. And right. gets his finger bit off by a lady alien, <laughs> sexy lady alien. Who's actually still a skull brainhead. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think Glenn Close as the president's wife gets killed in yeah. like an especially brutal way. She just gets um, a
0: chandelier dropped on her.
1: Right, but it's her favorite chandelier. So it's like an ironic. All right, she's fur. like, oh,
0: not the, not the Roosevelt
1: <laughs> chandelier. Chandelier. <laughs> um. And then, like, some of the other side characters, I guess, you know, as far as, like, the people that the movie respects are, like, you know, this heavyweight fighter who performs in Vegas Mm -hmm. is, like, a respectable person. Yeah. But, like, this other gambler played by Danny DeVito, he's bad. Yeah. And deserves to die and is bad. Um... Yeah, I don't so, know. Are there God, any other characters to, at Mars know, attacks is, that we're talking about? Is
0: a fucking joy to watch. I did want to mention that the president's daughter is played by Natalie Portman, which right. is just oh. funny. Uh, do you know who the
1: president's daughter is played by in Independence Day?
0: I should probably. It's it?
1: May Whitman, otherwise known as Katara. <laughs> no way. From... Avatar the Last Airbender. So, go check out our Avatar <laughs> the Last horror Recap series uh if you want to hear us talk more about that.
0: Oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, can we talk about um the president's wife dying Independence Day?
1: <laughs> yeah, she just like oh, uh, she's bleeding internally. Oh, it's sad. And then and then he tells his kid like, "Oh yeah, she's taking a nap."
0: and then she just dies off screen i guess without her daughter no, present no she died
1: right then i think is but supposed to be the implication like how
0: i'm sorry you don't call your kid back in like i, don't...
1: I guess not you just tell her she's she's sleeping like yeah. that's fucked
0: up don't, don't worry know.
1: about it we're going to beat those aliens
0: yeah It's just weird. And then this kid has, like, no reaction to this later in the movie, except that she's like, Yay, Daddy, you blew up the aliens! And I love that also, knowing that his wife is dead, the president is just like, Yeah, I'm gonna fly this mission where I might die, because I've got
1: it. and leave my child
0: orphaned.
1: The thing is, Hannah, narratively, if you have three female characters in a scene just whose only role is to sit and wait for the male characters to come back then it becomes a little weird so you gotta oh, kill one of them off so, you have to so that kill no one is waiting one them. for her to come back for him to come back no cause that because would be four female
0: characters David cause there were wait, three for,
1: cause his daughter oh, cause of the kid yeah right but I mean like there's, just, there's the scene where like they're talking about whether Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum are coming back yeah and both of their like wives are just standing right next to each other, being like, Are they coming back? And they're like, I don't know, maybe they're not and they're both like, Oh my god. And so if there was a third person there
0: Why that not? Would
1: just be too there's, much.
0: there's plenty of movies where like that's the case. And could you imagine the mom holding the president's daughter and we're just like, Oh no, the president is he alive? Right. Well, it's supposed to
1: be a consequence for him? You know, telling her to get out of the city and her refusing, you know, but like, there has to be consequences or something.
0: Ugh, fuck that.
1: But the real consequences are just that all the all the big uh, monuments are blown up. Yeah. And so in this one, it's like everything. It's like all of LA is blown up. Yeah. All of uh, DC is blown up. And what was the third place that New gets York. blown up? New York, right.
0: Can't forget New York.
1: No, um, the but New York yeah, scenes are it's...
0: definitely hard to watch post nine eleven.
1: Right. I th- I mean that's what people always talk about is that like after nine eleven there were new invasion stories like there was the the Steven Spielberg world War of the Worlds yeah and uh, Lindsay Ellis has a great video comparing Independence Day to that yeah sort of saying this is pre and post yeah we're not doing that no. but we are doing something very derivative of that which is doing. <laughs> 290s uh invasion.
0: I mean, David, if our work is nothing else, it is very derivative of Lindsay derivative. Ellis. I mean, a right. founding and influence less
1: structured or scripted. And <laughs> like I said. Generally of lower quality. Like
0: I said, very derivative. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but yeah, like is it fun to blow up the White House? Is it fun to blow up I think up it's still
0: fun to blow up the White monuments? House. I don't know about other monuments, I think it's definitely still fun to blow up the White House because the White House is right. still a functioning seat of power. I think especially these days, no matter where you stand on the political spectrum, like, you it can be fun. You, you, kind of want to blow up the White House, you know, just right. like a little bit. Like maybe you want someone to get hurt in it or not, but you do just kind of want to blow up the White House.
1: Right, and that was sort of like the early critical response to Independence Day was like, you know, people are just taking joy in in the blatant destruction and like mm. the explosions and whatnot. It's pure spectacle, mm. and it's it's joy at seeing things fall down.
0: I mean, it's uh, it's generally a nice ensemble piece. I it felt more right. coherent. That's the
1: second response. Right. That's the next thing that they would say is like, no, 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 no. It's about catharsis. It's about coming together as people and crossing borders. But then you think, crossing borders? Hmm, wait a minute. The only things that we see are America. And the title of the movie is Independence Day. So the next critical response is, this is Hollywood just blurring all lines between cultures so that everything is America. Yes. And all of the stereotypes within it are just like blatant stereotypes of characters like this is the black soldier this is the jewish scientist yeah guy
0: yeah um no i mean i think everyone is definitely very stereotypical um you know like it it's very simple but it has to be with this many moving parts you know like the characters don't have room to be more than kind of this basic outline sketch stereotype trope you know right. um it, it just is what it is and and i think it works fine in some cases and i think in other cases it makes it a little bit weaker and some characters i think they could have just skipped altogether and it would have been a fine movie I don't know right, why yeah. you're here, Harvey Firestein. I don't know why you're here, like, stripper He's friend. He's got to call his
1: mother. Like, I got to call my mother and my daughter, and not my lawyer. Like, <laughs>
0: stripper friend who goes to greet the aliens. Like, sure, I guess. I, we didn't need you specifically. We got the gist.
1: Right. Well, the the fact that Will Smith is marrying a stripper, and we mentioned this, Uh, a while back, is one of the reasons that the military would not fund this particular script or provide them with resources, uh, props, and and such. Really? You remember, we were talking about it, and the other thing was that it was Area 51 is featured so heavily, and they wanted to correct the false uh, association between aliens and Area 51. Right. Unless it's not false. but. (laughs) They definitely wanted to correct the script, yeah. and Roland Emmerich did not let them, and so they didn't have funding for that. Now, ironically, for resurgence years later, the military would produce this sort of, like, astroturfy go-army campaign around the release of the movie, realizing, I guess, that they missed out on the success of the original but like leaked documents revealed that there was like two million dollars spent on this ad campaign oh my gosh. that was centered around people talking about independence day resurgence and so it did not it was not very effective because no one talked about that movie yeah
0: that's so weird. <laughs> but i
1: thought that was interesting um because the the resurgence movie does like in a way that uh the original movie does not it is so centered on america being the central hub but integrating like China and like all these other countries into its defensive protocols, like there's right like, because I a think... specifically Chinese pilot who like does. <laughs> more than a lot of the American uh-huh. pilots do. Yeah. And then ultimately it's about how like we all have to come together with America at the center in order to defeat any possible alien threats. And we can always, we have to always be vigilant. Right. Even if we've like harvested massive weapons from the last invasion to defeat the future invasion, That even that's not being prepared enough. Right, (laughs) we have to build even more giant weapons and have even more safeguards. Yeah, and we can never rest because the threat is always out there. Anyway,
0: constant vigilance.
1: Yeah, that's what Resurgence is about. Because it's like twenty years later, and they're like, we've prepared for the next invasion, and they're like, nope, didn't prepare enough. Yeah,
0: should have should have prepared more, you you dinguses. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Um,
0: yeah, but this one, it's definitely yeah it's like it's it's definitely like pro-military right like right
1: yeah i mean the the american military is at the center of everything that happens in the movie good or bad yeah but that is good propaganda i mean even if that wasn't necessarily what emmerich was was going for um but it, it definitely brings to mind the nostalgia of like early war movies and that's um Something that uh, uh, a political theorist, Michael Rogan, uh, writes about uh, in, in regards to Independence Day—that mm. it's sort of recalling this like early World War II version of military history, where there's a common enemy to fight, we're all united against it, there's no moral gray areas, and you're facing a threat of extermination. Right. Uh, you know, it's it's kill or be killed. Yeah. So that's like very nostalgic in a way mm-hmm. that most of the 50s invasion narratives really were not. Mm -hmm. They were very surreal and kind of, you know, cosmically horrifying, like, you know, like a Lovecraft story or Mm -hmm. something. But this is not that. This is fun apocalypse that we get to beat up the space Nazis. Right.
0: Yeah. Very, very much space Nazis, but, like, not even that complicated, you know? Right. Like, (laughs) they don't even really have... An ideology other than, mm, well, what if we killed you all? <laughs> like,
1: right. Well, they they're they're supposed to be like capitalists. They're described as like locusts. Mm. You know, that yes. they harvest all the resources in a place and then move on to the next one.
0: Which is just American imperialism, but it's fine.
1: Right. But it's it's impacting us, which is exactly the point of like War of the Worlds, the original H.G. Wells uh, novel mm-hmm. that all of these stories are based on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's about imperialism. It's about what if Great Britain, this massive, you know, imperial machine, was invaded by a superior being from beyond the stars. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Well that could never happen. That's ridiculous. But of course it could, you know, like people get invaded all the time. Right. Um yeah.
0: Mostly by you doesn't mean
1: mostly by it can't you.
0: happen to you. But also right. maybe it shouldn't happen at all.
1: Right, maybe it's bad.
0: <laughs> maybe maybe it's,
1: it's bad, bad that people are imperial uh, monsters.
0: <laughs> who knows? Who can, who can say, David? I mean, right, but they
1: don't really make that point in Independence no. Day, really. But there's aside really from a that, sense that, no, there's not really a sense that like America is going to stop like being in the Gulf War, for example. No. I mean, the president is a Gulf War hero. Yeah, you know, he's a pilot from this post Cold War. Forever war in the Middle East right. that we are still currently in. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, obviously, it's saying something about that, but I I couldn't really tell you what.
0: Right. Yeah. It's um. Well, it's interesting because you know the whole sort of arc for this president is that he's you know indecisive or is apparently weak and ineffectual because uh, he's so young and is in office and has right. to compromise all the time. But then you know when a real crisis comes, he's able to step up. You know, like right. Be- so
1: again, it's this conflict between the global narrative of the story, the themes, yeah, and the specific narratives. Like we were saying with Goldblum, mm-hmm. it's the same thing with Pullman. Yeah, you're you're trapped in this. Well, he's got to learn to fight again, learn to be a fighter again. Right. So I guess. His Gulf War heroing is his true self and his negotiating and thinking of others is his fake political self, I guess.
0: Right, like it's a weird sort of... um...
1: But there's no reflection on being in the Gulf War in the first place and blowing up people in the same way that these guys are blowing up all of your favorite landmarks and the Statue of Liberty lies in ruins (laughs) just like it would in future roland emmerich movies like the day after tomorrow and oh, 2012 any 12 love and... the day
0: after tomorrow though what a what a <laughs> classic we should, we should talk about that one sometime
1: right um yeah or just even more <laughs> roland emmerich movies yeah. but of course Lindsay ellis has got that one covered for sure so check out her <sighs> video on just endless roland emmerich disaster <laughs> movies uh, if it's still anywhere which it might not be
0: it, it probably is um yeah these these movies are such like 90s time capsules
1: in their way but they're capturing two very distinct but very simultaneous cultural moments with america yeah and the idea of patriotism and the idea of the american military Mm -hmm. and the american government Mm On the one hand, Mars Attacks, it's, you know, Gen X was always like, America sucks, <laughs> reality sucks, reality bites right. with Winona Ryder and uh. Ben Stiller. and
0: <laughs> Daria. You know, and...
1: Daria, yes, exactly. So, you know, just this, like, screw everything, everything's fake, everything sucks. That's Mars Attacks. Uh-huh. And then Independence Day is the opposite, which is, like, we did it. We won the Cold War.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: Thank God for America. And one day, America...
0: the whole world will celebrate our right. Independence Right. We need day. to
1: stabilize all these regions.
0: Right. With our military... <laughs> but then if somebody were to attack
1: us, they're going to get absolutely punted because we're America. We have the, the smartest people. We have the most Jews. <laughs> we have... <laughs> we do <laughs> we we have uh, we have cool military guys who uh, marry strippers yeah and, you know say quippy one-liners we're the cool people not Soviet Russia they suck yeah we're going to give them like one line in the movie and then they're going to shut up and not do anything.
0: Mm -hmm. It's pretty similar to how other countries are portrayed in Mars attacks as well. Like there's one moment where uh, there's
1: extraneous,
0: right? Like the, the president of France calls the (laughs) Jack Nicholson and uh, you know, he's like, Oh, we just signed an accord with aliens. And he's like, no no get out of there it's a trap and then they just kill Um, them they just kill everybody Um, right
1: and then of course both of the films feature like a very clear weakness to these things where they can be just sort of killed all at once right like if you just know the secret to killing them so whether it's slim whitman's uh song about native american love uh and yodeling or whether it's a computer virus that can be uploaded by something as simple as a Mac computer. Um, Right. You know, it's, it's easy to kill these things, which I think also kind of goes back to HG Wells. Yeah. uh, And like the virus that kills everybody. Yeah. Um,
0: I do have to say though, like that was the funniest moment in independence day for me when Jeff Goldbroom was like a cold, (laughs) A computer virus, and no one <laughs> else had thought of a computer virus, which was, well,
1: like, were things in the 90s. On one hand, I agree with you, but on the other, uh, it doesn't make any sense that you could just upload a computer virus to their to their spaceship. It doesn't make any sense no, at all it doesn't, that that would be possible. It doesn't really make sense. That they would just have, like, an open signal, sense. like, just intaking... Like emails from Earth, like just don't do that. What is what are the Earthlings going to send you? that's right. going to be worth reading. Um, it's all just filter it all, put it all in spam. Don't <laughs> click on any strange links from Jeff Goldblum.
0: Right, right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was one other reading that I thought was interesting when I was like looking through critical responses to uh, Independence Day. Um, this is written by a guy named uh, Robert Pirro who was saying that maybe it has more to do with Roland Emmerich's uh, West German upbringing than meets the eye. He said, you know, he grew up predominantly watching West German TV, which was a lot of, you know, American horror movies and B, B movie science fiction and disaster movies. But it was also a lot of propaganda about, you know, how communism kills and how the Soviets treated the Germans very badly during the end of world war two and all this kind of sort of, Nazi apologia that went with the capitalist side of of you know West Germany during that time right and so maybe in some way this kind of like fear of reunification in the post-cold War era is sort of being expressed through this fear of the other in Independence Day so I thought that was an interesting mm. reading mm. Um, and I encourage people to read it more in depth because i'm I'm only sort of summarizing it in the broadest terms. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean that's um it's definitely a take I hadn't considered prior to this, but I can
1: Right. I can sort of just see like the groundwork. I just like to think of both of these films as being like distinctly post-Cold War cuz they both came out like 1996 mm-hmm. and it's like right when they're ending but before, you know, 2001 hits and then everything becomes about 9/11 right. and about American pride and flag <laughs> rock flag and eagle. Right. But like Before then, there was this brief period of simultaneous anxiety about the future and about progress narratives because we had defeated communism, but what do we do now? We have no purpose. We have no cause. Our purpose is to consume. To consume. (laughs) There's a lot of comfort. There's a lot of like, oh, we did it. Mm -hmm. There's no more threats. We've solved all threats for all time. And yet we're still at war in the Middle East. Yeah. Uh, This is weird. Yeah. So... I think that's what these two movies are about. And that's, uh, that's maybe we're experiencing a new version of that right now in the post COVID, (laughs) a sort of calm, but uh, also an anxiety.
0: Certainly. I think an anxiety. Um, I mean, I would say our, our fight against COVID is very similar to the American fight against uh, terror. in that, you know,
1: there's no real enemy to defeat.
0: Right. It's like,
1: you just have to survive. There
0: is, but there, there isn't.
1: So it's the 4th of July. You're going to be looking at fireworks, maybe. Maybe celebrating. You're going to be meeting up with people, with but you. maybe you're not. Maybe you're still hiding in your bunker. And uh, I would say don't hide in your bunker from covid because it's a hoax oh no, my god absolutely real
0: oh my god this is where <laughs> we reveal that like the QAnon has affected us uh and
1: that they've melted our brains yeah, yeah we're
0: we're now all marjorie taylor green supporters uh um,
1: look i'm just saying i didn't get sick ever in my life i'm actually and, currently
0: uh, suffering from the first cold i've had in a year and a half and i was so right. scared so what does
1: that tell you about the covid scare but i uh,
0: was so scared hoax. it was covid <laughs> i got tested like immediately <laughs> but it's not so it's fine so everyone oh, just man. go and get regular sick at your fourth of july barbecues no one get covid um and we'll we'll see you on thursday for a regularly scheduled mini about uh... a mini
1: episode because we can't be doing two full episodes in a week it's that's a just lot. impossible it's But lot. we want to give you a little something on thursday so be on the lookout all right see you guys later happy fourth bye-bye fuck imperialism <laughs> Bye.